listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We're making this recording at the last week in April of 2020. So if you go back and look at your calendar, this is kind of right in the middle of this damn virus thing. And so we are in the midst of uh, much of the country being in quarantine or locking down with uh, some of the states now kind of coming back online and opening up a little bit. So we've got uh, some interesting times ahead of us. Um, Today, I have got a guest I've been trying to get on the show for Oh, gosh, the last eight months or so, and really a great guy. He's out of the state of Washington, fishes the waters of Puget Sound, and uh, is known for uh, catching a whole lot of salmon. But uh, without further ado, Chris Hogue of Big King Salmon Charters should be on the line. Chris, you there? I'm here, Ted. How you doing? You know, I am doing well. How in the world are you, man? You're, you're sort of right in the middle of that epicenter, aren't you? We are right. We are in the bunker here of the uh, of the global pandemic. Uh, yeah, I would I would say that it is. It's not near as bad as they claim it to be. You know, we're not. Mm-hmm. There's not zombies running around the front yard here or out there in the back. You know, we're not we're not having to get upstairs and get uh, you know get the AKs or anything to keep them off the property. Everybody's yeah. doing fine here. You know. Well, that's good. That's Beautiful day today. We're in our upper 60s, might hit 70. The, the garden's blooming. The, the dogs are out there running around. The, the, the birds are out. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, awesome. Now, you, for our listeners, are just north of Seattle, just a little bit, aren't you? Just a little bit, about, about 10, 15 minutes north of Seattle. We're located in Edmonds. Ah, so. very good. And, yeah, yeah. Depending on traffic, you probably hit us in about eight or 10 minutes. But, you know, give or take, if you hit some Seattle traffic, probably 15 minutes, maybe 20 at the most. Very good. And, and on the be- beautiful Puget Sound. Now, for those that um, don't quite understand the geographics of that area up there, Puget Sound is saltwater, right? But you're quite a ways from the Pacific Ocean? Yeah, so Puget Sound... <clears throat> um, is a little bit inland. It's all salt water. So, so if you were to if we were to head in the uh, we were to head in the boat this afternoon and go out of the Edmonds Marina there, we'd hit Woodby Island if we went north, and uh-huh. we'd we'd pull a portside turn, and we would go past Foulweather Bluff, and uh, we would go past Port Townsend, and in about depending on how fast we're going, about an hour and forty five minutes, two hours maybe a little bit longer, we'd hit, uh, we'd hit, uh, we'd start to encounter the Pacific Ocean. So we need to go through the Straits of Juan de Fuca, then we'd, we'd be in the Pacific. Keep going, uh, eventually we'd, we'd have hit Hawaii and we'd be in paradise. <laughs> but yeah, it's all, we're all salt water. The salt water comes in and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, we've got the San Juan Islands to the north, Tacoma, Seattle to the south, um, Whidbey Island, which is I think the second largest island in the, on the on the west coast or in the country, um, oh, and that's Whidbey Island. So we're right there. I, I I believe it's I believe it's the second largest. Yeah. yeah. So being that so, far away, 
from the Pacific Ocean, you're fishing uh, pretty well protected waters in there, but it's, of course, salt water. Yeah, it's all, it's all protected. When you get into the Straits of Juan de Fuca, you can get a little bit of that ocean swell and chop there. And of course, the further out you get, once you hit the ocean, you get the big swells. But in Puget Sound, we're, we're fairly protected. About 80% of Puget Sound is, is uh, nicely protected. Uh, very good. So, so did you grow up in that area? Yeah, I've lived in Washington my whole life. Um, uh, born and raised here, starting fishing when I was just uh, a young one. Um, yeah. Actually, started out fishing in right here in Edmonds um, as a young guy. Had uh, my first boat was a little 19 foot bay liner, and used to go hunting oh, wow. around with that with friends and my dad. And uh, and uh, you know, we didn't know what we were doing back then. But, you know, we caught fish every time we went out, you know, there was, it was, there was so many fish back then when we were kids, you know, we just, we just got them and uh, started fishing and learned the names of the, um, you know, the charters that were fishing at that time and got to know them pretty well. And they got to know me. And then actually in the, in the summers, when I was in high school and through college, I actually commercial fished with uh, my best friend and his mm -hmm. dad and uh, we used to we used to go out of port uh, angeles at that time uh, back oh, yeah. in the gold rush of salmon and we used to commercially fish and i fish with them and uh, that's where i really you know learned about you know commercial boats and and all that and was able to write off all that time all that sea time towards my uh towards my oh. coast guard license and that's oh, how right. i ended up getting my uh, my coast guard license but um, uh i always had the uh I was fished, you know, for fun as well in Puget Sound there with my smaller boats that I had when I was younger. And yeah. I got to know the charter captains of that time, and they were really pioneers back then. There wasn't many of them. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, charter fishing started uh, on the coast at Westport uh, and those, uh, those ocean ports. And um, guys kind of migrated into Puget Sound, and I got to meet those guys. And I was doing as as good as they were. One of my buddies, Paul Gaskell, he was one of the charter guys when I was just a young guy. He says, man, you're, you're doing this. Some days you're beating me out here. You should think about doing this. And I never put the two and two together until after I'd been commercially fishing for, for that time and actually mm -hmm. had paid for all my college, uh, you know, and after I graduated with that commercial fishing money, I thought, uh, wow, maybe I should look into that. And um, uh, one of my friends at that time, um, he used to run the, uh, the port of operations there at the port of Edmonds way back then. And he knew a guy that had a salmon charter license at that time. And he'd, he'd had it for years when they first issued him. It was just, you know, an investment. And it's just something he had. He never used it. And uh, yeah. I met, met up with him and, and he said he sold it to me. And then I just I started doing it. It was been, been a great deal ever since. Wow. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. So now, was it your dad that sort of planted the bug in you about fishing? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. My okay. dad had never had never even been on a boat until I until I pulled him out on that on that bay liner. But uh, my grandfather fished a lot, and I kind of uh -huh. remember fishing as a little kid with him. And then friends here, you know, we we uh, we kind of you know started doing it when we were kids you know, going uh -huh. down to the beach and stuff. And then, you know, once, once, you know, we had, we met people that had boats and uh, once I finally got my boat, you know, we, we were hooked. That was it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Now, yeah. now 
Now, there, after you got out of college and 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 uh, were commercial fishing, did you go right into charter fishing at that point? No, not at all. I was um, uh, I was commercial fishing in the summers with my friend and his dad, and uh, we would have a couple other guys, and yeah. uh, uh, I did that in the summers through high school. And then mm-hmm. when I went to the University of Washington, I continued doing it. And this was during the heyday of salmon. I mean, uh, you know, if you've ever seen, you know, Deadliest Catch, that's kind of what it was like. We were making money hand over fist. Uh, that wow. was back in the gold rush of salmon. Now, most mm-hmm. of those guys don't know what happened of it to them. I mean, they bought a lot of cars. They spent it on a lot of girls. Who knows what, uh-huh. what they did with it. Me, I invested it. I saved it. I paid for my school. You know, I did the right thing and, um, mm-hmm. and graduated. And, uh, and after college, um, uh, I did a, a few things. I was uh, actually a uh, professional chef and uh, was in the, uh, yeah, was in the, uh, the uh, uh, retail food service business. I was a uh, sales rep for major seafood and grocery company for many years. And uh, then went back to the restaurant business for a bit and uh, was doing chartering, you know, kind of part-time, but it's been a full-time gig for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. I'll be darned. I'll be darned. So as, as, a, as, a, as a trained chef, what a, um, a, a great combination of being on a boat and catching all this fresh seafood and having answers for people that say, how do I prepare this, huh? You know, it certainly can be until you get home and you get all the emails and everybody wants to know, oh, what's the best thing to do with the kings? You know, right. should I smoke them? What should I do with this? What should I do with that? And I tell them, hey, what, let's, let's take a step back. And I don't want to spend all night, you know, because you'll never get up in the morning. But, you know, uh, every, little, every species is a little bit different. I don't want to take a big fat king and do a lot with it. You know, beautiful king mm-hmm. that's got all those omega oils just full of flavor. Do as little as possible with that fish. Right. Some nice extra virgin olive oil, some salt and pepper, a little dill. That's about it. You know, if we're catching Mm -hmm. some pinks or something, uh, you know, you're going to want to add some flavor to that or smoke them. But the last thing I'll tell people to just take a, you know, you know, a beautiful king, you know, or the ocean run cohos and start adding a bunch of stuff to them or smoking them. Don't do that. Unless you got a a lot of excess seafood, a lot of excess salmon, you know, keep those to the bare minimum. But yeah, absolutely yep. right. I mean, I spend a lot of time, we talk about everything on the boats. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, what, how we doing? Where, you know, why are the fish biting this? What's, what's the tide doing? What's it doing down there? Why are we fishing, you know, 65 feet over here? And why are we fishing 120 feet over here? You know, why are we using squibs right now when we you know, we're using the spoon a half an hour ago. And then, of course, once we get them in the box, what am I going to do with this, Chris? <laughs> so, yeah, the, definitely. For, for yeah. sure, having a restaurant background, you know, doesn't hurt. And uh, Absolutely. You know, I get, I get people all the time to call me up. You know, I haven't, yeah, maybe I had this person out, you know, him and his family a year ago, or I think just had some people – uh, you know, give me a, give me email. They were out with me. I had to go back and take a look. They're out five years ago and uh-huh. they're looking to go out this August. And I said, well, you know, we're going to have to take a look at what's going on in August. But they said uh, that they, um, 
had some salmon from Alaska shipped to them. And before they get up to me again, you know, can you give us a few ideas on what to do with this? So yeah, having a rest restaurant background, you know, it doesn't hurt. Oh, no, not at all. So, uh, so that brings up a point. You mentioned a number of different types of salmon uh, that you cooked there. How many different species of salmon are in Puget Sound? So in Puget Sound, we've got several different runs. Um, let's see here. I guess the best way to start off is, let's start off with the, the beginning of the year. So for us, okay. you know, the year starts out in January. So mm -hmm. now, of course, salmon and, you know, wildlife, they're on a different calendar. Their runs, you know, may start at different times. But, but for the winter, this is probably January is the middle of the run for our winter kings, our winter blackmouth. But for, you know, just to make things simple, since January is, you know, uh, month number one, we'll start off in, with January. So January, we're fishing for, we call them winter blackmouth. They're our winter kings. And they're immature Chinook. And these guys are going to range, oh, they're going to range anywhere from the five to eight pound range. You know, maybe there's some 10 pounders in there. Although this last winter, uh, you know, there's been some fish in the, in the 12, 14 pound range. Um, wow. Now, now, would these yeah. also be considered a, a jack salmon? I mean, is that, uh, is that there are. So, so the jack, jack is kind of a nickname. Jack is an right. immature Chinook. A jack is an immature wild Chinook. The black mouth, right. what we're talking about, they originated as a hatchery fish. So we oh. all know how hatchery fish are made. You take mm -hmm. the, the daddy fish and the mama fish, you put them together. They have, they, they, they will pen them and they come out and they're little baby fry. And right. I didn't realize this till I just found out, but, but they'll clip the fin. And I thought that the machine did it. Well, actually, you know, students Ooh. and volunteers do that. And they clip the adipose fin and uh -huh. then they keep them in a pen till they get to a certain size and then they release them. So these fish, once they're released, wherever you release them, they will return right to that exact same spot where they were released. Mm -hmm. Now, now the, the winter black mouth has evolved into the hatchery, which is what we're able to, to harvest. Uh, and there's a, a large amount of wild black mouth that are part of that mix too, because when, the, when those fish go back and they go up river and spawn, of course their babies don't get the fin clipped. Mm -hmm. So they become, they become wild fish. So right. kind of a two-part answer there. Yes, there is. We do call a, a immature Chinook a jack. We call them a jack here in Puget Sound when they're, when they're quote-unquote wild and their fins aren't clipped. Although, you know, a lot of those, some of those probably came from hatchery fish. Mm -hmm. um, so in January, we're fishing those guys. And we'll generally, generally, depending on the year, fish for those all the way through the end of April. Oh, wow. And they're that, around. Oh, they're around for that long. Now, now they're, each area has a quota uh, amount of these uh, salmon that we can catch. When an area reaches its quota, they'll shut it down. And it varies from year to year. But generally speaking, where we're at in Area 10, which is Edmonds, and we'll fish Area 9, which is Whidbey Island, we generally get those all the way through and you know when we're fishing up in around the Everett area we'll get we're generally able to fish those guys through the end of April uh -huh. and then in May and June we're going to have our um, 
our bottom fishing season, which consists of uh, lingcod, cabazon, and uh, and uh, a halibut season in there. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do some bottom fishing trips there. In Area 10, we're extremely fortunate right right in the front yard here, right out of Edmonds in Area 10, is that we have a June salmon fishery that opens up June 1st, and it's coho, wild or hatchery, catch and keep, and we're the only game in town in Washington State in June. And it's full-on really? salmon fishing starting up in June, yeah. And so, that's a great fishery. Yeah. That, if anybody's ever fished for pink salmon, for example, when you fish in the pinks, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's an it's a extremely fast and furious fishery because there's so many of them. That's what mm -hmm. it's like for the coho in, in June. They're, they're, not, they're not a huge fish. They're in their growth stage. So they're roughly, you know, they're going to be, you know, five, eight pounders right around there, five to seven, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, right around in that range. You know, a little, you know, depending a little bit bigger. They, they grow really rapidly. So at the beginning of the season, they're a little bit smaller. As you progress during, during, the, during the month of June, they'll get bigger every week, and you can tell. But mm -hmm. they haven't been feeding for, you know, they haven't been fished, and they're, they are extremely hungry because they're in their, their, growth, their growth space, so their growth right. spurt there. So they're hitting, they're hitting whatever you throw in front of them, and it's fast and furious. I mean, we'll get, we'll get doubles and triples all the time on those guys. It's awesome. Got it. Got and, it. And, and, then after, to, yeah. and, and just to fill in some of the audience, we, we have uh, listeners from all over the world, actually, now. Um, when you uh, use the term uh, coho and silver, it's really the same thing. It's just uh, it, it's the, the, the same fish. And in the Northwest, we're sort of that, at that precipice where we, we interchange those, those titles a lot. So we've got the coho and silver, and then we've got kings and chinook. It's the same fish, isn't it? Oh, we spend, yeah, we, depending on uh, where, uh, you know, where my guests are coming from, we spend hours talking about this. So, for example, uh, a king is a nickname we, for Chinook. Mm -hmm. uh, coho is a coho, and we call it a silver here. Um, right. Uh, let me see. We have on the odd number of years, every other year, we have the pinks. Uh, we call those, yeah, we call those humpies. And then uh, let me see the blackmouth, which is a winter king, an immature king. You know, that's a Chinook. It's just a winter, a winter uh, variety of it. And then we have, uh, let's see, we have uh, uh, chums, which we call dogs here, dog salmon. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they call them uh, up in Alaska. Now in Alaska, uh, they call a Chinook a king. Uh, in Alaska, any fish, any king over 30 is what we call a tai. And right. um, a lot of people, you know, when they come from other parts of the country, they will just assume that a king is a tai. Well, that's mm -hmm. incorrect. It's got to be over 30 pounds to be classified as a tai. But I'm not going right. to argue with you. You cut yourself a nice 12 pound king. That's a tai, my friend. There you go. <laughs> you, you are you the king or we'll call it you, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tie. But but then we, if you brought up the the seasons. You know, once we get through uh, once we get through June, which is probably one of my favorite times to fish, we have our summer kings, and uh, 
they typically were going to be able to fish for those guys at or around um, July the 16th. And oh. last year, they didn't let us, they, they cut us back a little bit. They, they let us start on the 24th, but this, this year we firmed it up on the, on the 16th. And that's a quota fishery. And uh, there's a quota per area. And where we're located here in my backyard, we've got Edmonds, uh, which is area 10, and uh, a little bit north of that, which is Woodby Island, which is area nine. And each area will have its quota. So what mm -hmm. we'll generally do is uh, we'll generally fish around uh, area nine. And uh, that is generally a little bit less quota, but it's... Uh, it's a it's as productive as as area as is right off here in Edmonds. Maybe a little sure. bit more more so in the beginning because it's right off the Straits of Juan de Fuca. There's that water funnels in, and we'll fish there. And once we're getting pretty close to the quota ending on that, then we'll just we'll just you know come back here about 15 minute ride closer to home here, uh, and we'll fish uh, right out of Edmonds here. And we generally get our summer chinooks. They generally last us through the third week of August, sometimes third, third or fourth week of, week of August. And we generally have oh. those guys almost through the entire month of August. And those are the big summer Kings. Um, depending on the year, you know, it depends on the, uh, the limit for those, but generally it's one. Um, and they currently are a hatchery fish as well. Uh, although the hatchery, percentage has been high it's been about 70 percent hatchery anyway and like i'm right. saying you know along with the winter blackmouth those when they get up 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 river and spawn you know they're making wild fish anyway um mm -hmm. and that's that's a temporary thing that we've been dealing with for a few years and eventually they're going to be uh throttling that back and at some point we're going to have a uh, we should have a a uh, a hatchery or wild and unselected fishery for those in the future, but currently it's it's a hatchery fishery. Then right after that, we've got ocean run cohos. Those are the big, big hook nose coho, the big ocean run silvers. They typically come in hot and heavy right at the beginning of September, and we'll have mm -hmm. those guys all the way through October. And then you roll right back into winter blackmouth uh, king fishing again in November, and then November that'll carry us through the end of uh, April, and that's pretty yeah. much our seasons here. Got it. So in your opinion, what, what is the, uh, the best salmon to catch? Oh my God. Everybody asks that. Mm -hmm. Everybody asks that. And you know, everybody's going to have a different answer. And I'm going to tell you, Ted, for me, and I'm probably going to get phone calls on this, but as a fisherman and as uh, you know, uh, I'll still not call myself a chef as a fisherman and as a chef, I'm going to tell you coho. Mm -hmm. By far, my favorite. By far. Now, I love sockeye. And Copper River sockeye, you know, that's a great fish. You can't, you, we don't get sockeye that'll bite here in Puget Sound. They're just traveling right. when they get into Lake Washington. But the Copper River sockeye, the Alaska sockeye, that's, you know, and you know, that, that would probably be my favorite. But right. for, for what we can catch, <laughs> that ocean run coho in September is off the hook. They are big, fat, wild, mean, eating everything that's in front of them. I mean, they'll uh -huh. hit you like they'll hit you like a like a Ford Expedition, you know, hit a Volkswagen. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna they're gonna knock the pole right out of your hand. 
And I'll tell you, you, you cut those things open and they are bright red, huge fat lines. And it's just magnificent. Mm -hmm. What I do with a lot of them, you know, a lot of, when I get fish generally, what I'm doing is I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saving it and I'm smoking a lot of it and I'm sending it to my repeat customers as a little remind you pack, you know, oh, hey, no, no. Okay. you guys had a great time with me. Here's your little Christmas uh, smoked salmon pack from Chris, you know, remember to come mm -hmm. back fishing with us. But if I can get enough to save for me, I'll, I'm sushi in that. I'm going to make sushi oh, really? out of that. Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, um, I'm going to do the, uh, the, the, the sticky rice. I'm going to uh, do a little wasabi on there, a little, uh, a Ooh. little, uh, a little wasabi tobiko. I'm going to roll that. And that's, that's perfect. Just like that. What I, a, I, little, I th yeah. a thing that I'll yeah, do, a, a thing that I'll do, you know, uh, here's a little secret for you guys. Um, you know, you got to, you have a salmon fillet and it's, you mm -hmm. know, it's a big piece of fish and you can spend all day trying to cut that down and making it this real little thin thing that you can put into a, into a, you know, to a sushi roll. Here's right. a little secret for you. You take some, Take your normal saran wrap, your normal little plastic wrap, and you cut yourself a little fillet of that salmon off, spray that saran wrap, your little plastic wrap, with a little bit yeah. of your Vegeline pan coating, put that uh -huh. fillet in there, take another piece of plastic wrap, you spray that with your pan, you put okay. that on top of the fillet, you take your meat tenderizing hammer, not the, the part of the hammer that the little points stick out on, Right. Nodule point, you know, the little tenderizing point. You take the flat part of that uh, that hammer. You gently start slapping that fish, just pounding oh. it down a little bit, real gently, okay? And that fish is going to lay out nice and thin. Now you've got this thin little wafer of, of salmon. Oh, yeah. And now you could roll that into your sushi roll, Ooh. and you can make a nice, you know, a nice Pacific Northwest salmon salmon roll and it's absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic you don't you really you don't need sometimes i'll take it you know i will just put it i'll just put a a, a nice fillet right on top of a dollop of rice you know and you can, yeah. you can do it like that but if you like a california roll you know with salmon or if you like like a nice uh, a nice sushi roll that's an easy peasy way to do it and that's what i do with a lot of a lot of my salmon if i'm gonna I'll eat it for myself you know, and if I'm cooking for the family, you know, I'll do whatever they want. You know, yeah. my folks are my folks are a little elderly, so they're they uh, they're stuck in their ways about how seafood should be. It's got to uh -huh. be cooked all the way. You know, it's got to be got to be cooked all the way, and I never do that for myself or my right. girlfriend. Right. But uh, but everybody's different. But there's you know there's a million ways to do things. That's just some, that's just. What so, I, so a a, que a question on your sushi? Do you do you brine the salmon at all, or is it just right off the fish not at all no with sushi you okay. don't you don't want to do any of that you want to make sure it's nice and clean and mm -hmm. a, a, another tip for you you know when you're filleting out your salmon and i you know i show people how to do this all the time yeah you fillet out your salmon uh you know you want to you want to take it from the head take your nice sharp fillet knife to hit that that uh that you know cartilage there and then you want to slide it along there pull that off and you've got your nice fillet there Right. And then you're going to take your fillet, you're going to turn it over, you're going to take your very sharp knife, go down to you, touch that, 
the skin, the scale part, and then you're going to turn your knife and you're going to gently slide it along. Now you've got a beautiful fillet, you know, mm -hmm. filleted out, no skin. You're going to take your knife and you're going to gently down and take those bones off, um, you know, the, the, the bones that go along the, the edge there where it went down to the bottom of the plate there. And yeah. now you've got bones all the way along the head down to the tail. Right. Yourself a nice pair of pliers. Obviously, you know, you only use them for this, clean and mm -hmm. sanitized. And you just go down and just, you just find that bone. You pluck oh, cool. it right out. Pull them got right it. out with that pair of pliers. They've got a perfect fillet. Absolutely oh, wow. perfect. There's no bones. There's nothing in it. Great. Do whatever you want with it at that point. God, you're making yeah. me hungry. And, and, this is, yeah. <laughs> and this is not your farm-raised Atlantic salmon, is it? No, no, no. These are uh, absolutely not. These are these are <laughs> these are fantastic wild fish. You know that the, the people get confused between a hatchery fish and a farm raised fish. And I'm glad you brought that up because I want to clarify that distinction. So, a farm raised fish, which in a former life I was kind of on board with, because okay. I thought, you know what, farm raised fish probably a good idea takes away the pressure off of the wild fish because they're farming the fish so mm -hmm. what they do with the farm raised fish and farm raised fish almost almost entirely are are what we call atlantics and an atlantic is a, a salmon species that is just that originated on the atlantic coast and they farm raise atlantic fish because this particular you know species of salmon can handle being in the farm-raised environment. It can handle being in the pens, swimming around with nothing to do. I'll tell you something about the farm-raised fish, which I am adamantly against farm-raised fish of any type now for this reason. <clears throat> what they do with these fish, Ted, is they feed them pellets much like you would, you know, fish in the aquarium. Oh, and okay. these pellets, you know, they're, they're red and the fish eat them, and that's why the color of the Atlantic salmon meat is red, it's because they have the red dye in them. If they fed them white pellets, the fish would be white. Right, right. But these, these farm-raised fish, I mean, those pellets are full of antibiotics and hormones and stuff that we don't want, stuff that they won't let you and I take. I mean, if, you know, if, our, if we go get an antibiotic or a doctor doesn't want to prescribe it at the beginning, and if he does prescribe it, he wants you to make sure you take it 100% and finish it because right. if you don't, you're going to have, you know, little organisms that grow and become immune to that antibody. Well, these salmon, you know, they're feeding them that, uh, these farm-raised salmon, they're feeding them that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not any part of what we have in Puget Sound. All our salmon are, you know, are, are you know, wild and a percentage of them are the hatchery variety. And the, the distinction between the farmeries and the hatchery is the hatchery, they take two wild salmon, a mama and a dad, and they put that, they, they put their biology together and they make millions of these little fry. And then these mm -hmm. little flies swim around until they get to a certain size and then they're released at whatever stream they want to release them in. And then they go out there and they swim around and out in the ocean a lot of them get yeah. eaten. Some of them get caught by us. But the ones that come back, when they make it up to the river there, 
they spawn and they make wild fish. The genetics of those of those hatchery fish are pure genetic fish that they've got from whatever uh, river system they want to enhance. Mm -hmm. And it's a mm -hmm. great deal for us because it's just dramatically accelerating the uh you know the increase in sammy population for us oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know I, I, let me turn it back here for a second because i if if i if i was a betting man sometimes i am um i would have just lost a bet and the reason i i say that is that when you said that your favorite fish or your favorite species of salmon i thought you were going to say kings but um it, it ends up being coho and, and I, like you, I, I'd rather eat a coho than a king. Uh, they're a little drier fish uh, when you prepare it, not as much oil. But if you use some sort of fat replacement of a, a butter or an olive oil or something and, and tend to it a little bit, they, they come out as moist as anything, don't they? Well, everybody's different, and it depends on where you get your salmon. So for, I'll give you an example. So, mm -hmm. And it depends on the time of year, too. So, so you know, when we're – the kings that come in right at the beginning, I may, I may just say, you know what, I might prefer that king over that September coho, okay? Mm -hmm. And it depends on the year too, Dad. I mean, think of the ocean as a grocery store. So what we get in our Puget Sound grocery basket here, you know, right out here in Edmonds, mm -hmm. what we can fish for, is a direct product of what was going on out in the ocean some years the True. you know the oceans are incredibly abundant with everything there's you know herring you know tons and tons and tons of herring available and sand lance and um, needlefish and what have you there are some years where you know there's leaner times so you're mm -hmm. the salmon that comes into us here into the bread basket going to be a product of that so there are years where you know maybe that coho was like oh man it was a thousand times better than the kings we were catching in you know july it just depends right. on where they were at in the cycle what their yeah. experience was out there in the ocean what they were feeding on i'm going to give you an example when i get a fish on board first thing i do obviously we're going to get him in you know going to reset going to hit a waypoint on one of the GPS units. Uh, we're going to see where we're at, and we're going to go right back through that school and try and follow. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get a second, you know, everybody will attest to this. There he goes. I'm getting one of my sharp fillet knives, and I'm cutting that guy open. I'm going to see uh -huh. what's in it. Got and, it. you know, it varies. I mean, you know, sometimes these guys are full of big, fat herring. Sometimes they're full of these little tiny herring. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're full of little, uh, little sand lances or little shrimp. Well, why are you doing that, Chris? Why are you doing that? I'm telling you why. <laughs> I'm going to match the hatch. If uh -huh. I find, if I find X in the stomach, guess what's happening to the lures we're running? They're going mm -hmm. right, to whatever, right to whatever looks like that. So mm -hmm. here's, here's a great example. So... Um, just this last uh, September when we were fishing for the ocean runs, typically, typically, you know, we should have large green label herring in Puget Sound, you know, and that right. was the case. We had 
a lot of large green label herring in Puget Sound. But guess what these coho had in them? You little shrimp, little really? tiny shrimp. Yeah. Well, where was the last time this guy, you know, stopped off at, uh, you know, at the, at the Dick's drive-in? was probably when he was out in the Straits of Juan de Fuca and he was mm -hmm. running and he came into Puget Sound. That's what he ate out in the Straits. I'm going to match what he was eating out there because he hasn't been in here long enough to change yet. Oh, Once God. they get in here and acclimate themselves to what's available, they're, you know, they're naturally going to be attracted to whatever meal they ate last time they ate. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes, you know, I don't always switch everything out at the same time, but it's just another tool in the toolbox. Oh, um, yeah. You know, you want to match that hatch. So say I'm running three downriggers, you know, mm -hmm. say I'm running four downriggers. I may switch one pole over to that. I may switch two. I may switch everything over to it. You know, we'll see what works. I'm telling you, though, if, if I get, you know, if I get, you know, two hits on the same lure, everything is going to go over to that same lure. And we're going to clean up on that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so tell us a little about uh, different uh, species of salmon, in particular, let's say coho and king. Um, they fight different, don't they? I mean, you, you, uh, you hook into a coho and you've got an aerial battle a lot of the time where they're coming out of the water and flipping and, and uh, you know, they're trying to get in the boat to kind of kick your butt. Uh, you know, they're a feisty fish where the king, they go, they go deep, don't they? Well, I'll tell you, it depends on every hit's different. So you'd be surprised. Sometimes the, the smaller fish will give you the most trouble. I've had, you know, some of, some of the biggest kings we've got, you know, they've, they've gone straight down. And then, then when they figure out they're not winning the battle, you know, they just, they're tired and they just come right up. And I've had mm -hmm. the adverse, you know, I've had the adverse with, with, uh, with uh, you know, Sometimes kings, I mean, you, you, you'll be fighting them, you know, you'll, be, you'll have a half an hour battle on your, on your hands. It just right. depends on the conditions where they're at. I would say generally speaking, and, and it's a general question, so I'll give you a general answer. So okay. your, your Chinook, your king, generally speaking, is a lazy salmon. You know, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but let's be honest. He's a lazy salmon. He's hanging okay. out there, generally speaking, about five to 10 feet from the bottom. And he's got mm -hmm. his head into the current and he's waiting for something to come his way. And when mm -hmm. he if it comes his way, he sees it, he likes it, bam, he's gonna hit it. Now, generally speaking, your, your coho, your ocean run coho, they're, they're coming in, they're hot, and they're coming in in September and they have a limited time to get their reserved groceries in the basket before they mm -hmm. have to go, before they, before they got to go home and spawn. So they're okay. not wasting any time. They're feeding, they're hitting, they're running, they're moving on, they're going on to the next hamburger in front of them. And <laughs> generally speaking, those guys, uh, they're hitting ferociously, they're, they're, they're in a, um, a specific water column. Uh, generally mm -hmm. speaking, they like, they like, you know, in the morning, I've caught them right on the surface, literally right on the surface. But generally, they're about 25 to 85 feet deep. Generally, that's, that's a column they like. You know, when the yeah. sun's up high and hot and really bright days, yeah, we'll go down 125 feet for them. But generally, you're going to get them in that water column. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, they do, they do when they're, when they're hitting, when they're feeding, they're coming in, you're going to get them in schools. They're going to get hot and heavy. I mean, they will get acrobatic. Um, we've had, uh, you know, many times they'll hit hard. And, you know, if, if you're not, you know, you're not, you know, paying attention to what you're doing, you know, you can break them right off. Um, because they're hitting like a freight train. We had one fish. That's just interesting. I just thought of this. We had a, we had one fish. This was a couple of summers ago, and um, and uh, the gal she got she got this coho on, and this is the second week of September, and he was jumping out of the water and you know breaking like a sailfish. Now that oh, that's great, awesome. Everything's out of the water, okay. And she's reeling and she's reeling. She's reeling, and she didn't tell me this, but I figured it out later. What she did is she she got it wrapped around the the thing there, and she didn't tell me. And she either pulled on it or didn't give it didn't give it enough, and and it snapped the line off. And she's reeling, oh. and the oh. line cut. Yeah, and and then all of a sudden I see there's no bend on the rod, and she's reeling, and the line comes down through the eyelets and onto the rail. Oh. What the heck is oh. going on here? And, right, right. and I see this fish out there, Ken, and this fish is out there and he's running left and right <laughs> this way, that way. And he's dragging the squid and the flasher through the water. Really? <laughs> this is crazy. And then all of a sudden he's right next to us. And then all of yeah. a sudden he's way over there. And while we were pulling up the gear, one of the guys, uh, uh, he's got his rod up. And, you know, he was holding on to it because I said, you know, everybody get their gear up. And he's just like, he's been holding it while all this, while this, you know, this drum is going in front of us. And then I turned around and the fish is right there next to the boat. Then it's, you know, way out there, you know, 200 feet away from the boat screaming. And one of the guys says, guys, too bad, you know, one over here, we just could have netted it. Right, well, well, that's crazy. So I go down there and then the, the fish is swimming around next to the boat. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's screaming pretty good. I thought, I got my remote control. I just turned the boat around. I went following this fish around and he's here, then he's there, and then he's gone. Well, we're wasting time here. Let's just get our gear yeah. back in water. And then as soon as I went up there to put the boat back in gear, the fish was right on the starboard side. And one of the guys, the same guy that was holding his pole out of the water this entire time, he says, he's right here. So I took the net and the fish was just sitting there. And it went to grab him, and he slid away from the net. I oh. thought, okay, that's it. And then yep. the guy just kind of, the guy just kind of dropped his rod down, and the flasher hit the water, and the net was sitting there on the side of the boat. One of the guests yeah. got it, and the fish swam right into the net. Really? We got the we got the ocean run coho <laughs> big hook nose and the flasher and my lure bag. Of Good course. Lord. That 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 lure that that gear immediately got retired and it's hanging right over here in my sure. office and has never been in the water again. I'll tell you, <laughs> it earned its pay that day. I can tell yeah. you that. That'll no, never happen. I mean, no, that's that's never happened before. I mean, it's happened to yeah. people, you know, but no, you you never get to get you never get to get that back. But no, I mean, no, not at all. No, I, no, I, I am. You, yeah. Are you primarily can, trolling for salmon? Is that what you do? Ninety percent of what we do is troll. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, I mean, there, you know, I've, depending on the conditions, I mean, when, when, when the salmon get into Puget Sound, you know, they're hunting. So mooching is a method of, you know, jigging mooching, and that's a very successful method out on the coast, out of mm -hmm. Westport and Iwako. And the reason it's successful out there is because you have millions of salmon concentrated into a very narrow highway. And just by attrition, you can get the mooching because, you know, they're, they're right. right there. Uh, when they get in Puget Sound, they spread out. They're looking for something that looks alive and, um, and swimming. Uh, right. Now, now, there are guys that are successful doing mooching. Uh, you know, your, your success rate on trolling is going to be, you know, astronomically higher than that. Uh, just for that fact that you're moving, you're covering water, your lures are swimming, looking like they're alive. Uh, I will say this though, uh, when the pinks come in, uh, there are so many of them that come in. Uh, if I have, if I have a family with kids, a lot of times what we'll do, cause we're going to catch them anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. we'll just, we'll just, we'll just go out there and stop and I'll, I'll put like little pink, little buzz bombs out there. And we'll uh -huh. just put really light, like trout gear on, and yeah. just play and just play with them and catch them. Because when the pinks oh, are in, I mean, you know, you're going to get yeah. them anyway, and that's a lot of right. fun. But I mean, you know, we I've done, you know, I've done, I've done the mooching, the motor mooching, and you know, I don't, I don't totally, you know, disregard it. There are times where I would do it, but I will say, you know, my job as a, as a guide is to, you know, give everybody their best opportunity to get fish in the box. And mm -hmm. with that said, trolling's the way to go. But yeah, right. I, you know, you know, I, I do have, at times I will, you know, I will do some mooching, some motor mooching, some, some jigging, that sort of thing. But uh, right. for the most part, if you want to be successful up there, you, you need to have downriggers. You need to be down there at the suspended depths. You're going to see yeah. on your sounder exactly where they're at. And we target them right where they're at, maybe right a little bit above the, the bait line. Uh, uh -huh. as we all know salmon they're going to see what's in front of them side to side and up salmon don't right. have down vision so you want to right. be at about their level or just a little bit above them but Got it. you know we want to have fun too so you know this is a lot of fun when the pinks are in town we're you know a lot of days we got kids out there we're just gonna plunk around and you see little kids with these little these little barbie rods and reels that they brought <laughs> from home and they're out there fishing yeah. for pinks and they're catching pinks I'll tell you what, uh -huh. they're going to be fishermen for life. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, when the pinks are in, it is just, it's just one right after another. Now, you said in June you do some bottom fishing also. Do you run like combo trips or anything like that in June? You know, we, we are not allowed to do a combo. It's an either or. Oh, okay. Um, and the reason for that is uh, we have uh, depth limitations where uh, if you're going to be bottom fishing, you have to be at a certain depth. Um, and you can't go into deep water. Uh, mm -hmm. And if, uh, you know, if you're in, if you're in the shallow water, you know, trolling, you're, you're not, you know, if you're up yeah. on the beach in 20, 30, 40 feet of water, you're wasting your time salmon fishing at that level anyway. But, but it's an either or thing. Uh, generally, uh, once we hit June and salmon fishing opens up, I mean, I'll do bottom fishing, but 99% of the people they want to they want to they want to hit salmon when salmon fishing opens up. 
Oh, absolutely. We, you know, but we've done a lot of, you know, we, you know, we've, we've had some great, uh, some great, uh, you know, Lincod Cabazon trips. I don't do many halibut trips. I mean, uh, depending on the year, you know, four to eight, depending. Uh, halibut's a ways out there, and the yeah. hides have to be just right to do it. Now, I did a, I did a quite a bit more uh, bottom fishing when I was up in Everett. I moved the business down to Edmonds here. This will be my fourth season down here which was the best move I've ever made. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're so much closer to Seattle. We're getting uh, all the cruise ship business. You know, we're 15 minutes from Seattle at that. That's where everybody's at. Uh, Everett right. was, a big, was a big ask for people to go up to Everett. And the, the fishing seasons, they changed really about, about seven years ago where the fishing season start at about the Edmonds line south so oh, what uh -huh. I was doing uh, what I was doing with the business uh, you know we were driving from Everett on the boat down to Edmonds to start fishing anyway mm -hmm. and uh, you know I literally literally I live you know six minutes up the hill from the marine anyway so it just it just made sense but uh, yeah we're the it's really enabled uh, and given us a uh, a year-round salmon fishing opportunity right here you know, right well and, and, and you know, talk, talk about convenience i mean you're just minutes away from downtown seattle so if you've got people that are coming to town for business meetings and that sort of thing they could sneak sneak away on a on an afternoon and do a, a half day trip if they're there uh, at safeco field or watching the seahawks um and stay over an extra day after a game uh, or maybe even a um, the fishing grip before the game. Um, I mean, you're uh, you're right in the midst of things there, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. It uh, it is, you know, depending on the time of day, especially in the afternoon when it's when it's really easy peasy, or in the early morning, it's you know, depending on where you're at, literally 10, 15 minute Uber ride, and you're right here in the marina. And right. The the uh, the. It's funny you mentioned that the 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 cruise ship um, uh, guests are some of the most fun. You know, they want to go out, you know, to get their, get some fishing on, and then they want to get right back to Seattle and do the farmer's market and, um, mm -hmm. you know, do the Seattle center thing or do the big wheel thing, or they've got a Mariners game to go to, you know, in a couple hours, easily accommodate that. I mean, we can, I don't know any other place in the country we're so lucky to live here where from my hometown here, we can be down in the middle of the, of the city in a half an hour or less. Mm -hmm. um, we can be out. You can be right in the middle of the city, depending on the time of day. You can be, you know, at the Marina 15, 20 minutes. If that you can be out in beautiful Puget sound. Uh, you can be up in the mountains in 45 minutes to an hour. You can yeah. be out fishing with me and you can have your fish and, uh, you know, I can have it processed and sent to you and you could, you know, be at your seats at the Mariners game, you know, by seven o'clock. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a wonderful place. We live here. There's so much yeah. to do. So and, much, and, so much going and, on. And, it, and, it, and it's just not good fishing. It's world-class fishing, isn't it? Well, when, when they're hitting, it's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. Fishing is fishing, you know, 
true. consider That's myself true. pretty much a bus driver. You know, I'm going to put you where, where they're going to be and where they're at. You know, we have hot days and, and cold days, of course, you know, like mm-hmm. anybody that's been fishing would know that but generally speaking and we're talking about oh my god 25 30 years of fishing right we're pretty right. fortunate here on the whole i mean we do very well here we do very yeah. well there are some slow days there's some days that are phenomenal i mean there's mm-hmm. there's days especially when the pinks are running you know we'll run three three trips a day wow and have a, nope. have a full load all the time and you've got you know Honestly speaking, there's days where it's tough. When you get mm-hmm. into the summer, though, those days are in the rear view gear. So we're usually yeah. doing, you know, we're usually doing pretty good in the summer. Right. This year, this year, the expectations are pretty good. Um, there's, uh, you know, if we look at the entire state, we're so lucky, so fortunate to be here in in uh, Central Puget Sound, specifically in the Edmonds area. We've got incredible opportunity we're going to be able to fish for salmon starting off in june and going all the way through october and then starting up with the winter kings in november taking us through april um there's no other spot in the state that's going to have that opportunity uh the coast is probably going to have i'd have to take a look at my schematic uh with our seasons here the coast is probably going to have i don't know maybe four weeks, maybe six weeks, something like that. Uh, Sam Wands is, you know, you know, less than half of what we have of that. So we're very fortunate. And the really lucky here in our area is that the Salmon Highway consists of, you know, the fish coming off the coast, hitting the Straits of Juan de Fuca. And then once they hit Possession Sound, about mm-hmm. 80% of them, take a turn south and they go right by my backyard they go right by Edmonds heading oh, south wow. and then the other percentage they'll go up north and uh, you get into that area that's closed this year uh you know the 8182 the uh the uh Whidbey Island North there up to Everett but we're very yeah. fortunate here and we have yeah. high expectations this year is going to be going to be some great fishing once once they let us open it back up awesome so, so real quick, tell us about the boat, the equipment you run. Well, we are running, uh, I run my own Tolly Craft. It's a 30-foot Tolly. Okay. Um, and uh, fully equipped, all electric downriggers. Uh, she's been completely repowered as of two seasons ago. Uh, everything on it's new. Um, um, all the electronics. Uh, um just remodeled the um the restroom on it uh uh she's got uh, ray marine and garmin electronics i'm currently running big john uh professional downriggers all electric on it mm-hmm. uh and she's right down there in edmonds um prime spot on t dock there uh right since we're kind of in the middle of the you know end of the world pandemic here uh, I've become my grandparents. Uh, she is completely <laughs> sanitized top to bottom, you know, at yeah. the beginning and the ending of every trip. Not like right. she wasn't, you know, clean enough to eat off of anyway. And uh, really proud of her. I mean, she's beautiful. She's a beautiful thing. Uh, I've got uh, 
uh, Yamaha trolling motor on it. So the, uh, so we control it, you know, appropriate speeds on it, the big motor, you know, you would mm -hmm. never be able to, you know, get to your proper speed on that thing. So, uh, and I've got, uh, oh, we run, uh, uh, three fish finders on her. Um, the main ones that I use up on the fly bridge, I've got, um, the new one, which is, um, I have a Garmin uh, 3000 watt through hull uh, chirp transducer, which is ultra high definition. And um, yeah. you could see the, uh, you could see the beak off a woodpecker on this thing. <laughs> and then uh, as uh, right next to that, I've got a 1000 watt uh, traditional Ray Marine. And uh, mm -hmm. that's a through hole as well. So we're running both of those. And, you know, why do you run two fish finders? Well, I use them for different things. So I might be looking at one specific set of water on one and another on another. And, you know, I might want to, you know, track a thermocline on one or maybe take a look at the bait on the other or maybe get a zoom bottom look on another one. So it just, it just helps me as a captain kind of get a 3D image of what's going on there. And then, of course, uh, ultra-high definition radar, AIS, all the safety equipment. Um, right. Uh, we're U.S. Coast Guard licensed, insured, um, member of the and, um, yeah. Charter Boat Associations. And, um, and uh, you know, we're, you know, uh, uh, randomly drug tested every year. So uh, that's, and we go through all that through part of the safety you know, procedures before we go out on every trip, but, um, and you're, you're assured. Not, yeah. And, and you're not a party boat, right? I mean, you're not a walk on it, it, when people, uh, uh, hire you, it, uh, it's their own private charter for the most part. Yeah. Well, we, we do a couple of different packages. So, uh, we do have, um, we do have a shared boat option. You do. Uh, okay. And then we do have, we do have a private boat option. Uh, I will say that varies a bit from year to year, but for the for the past few years, most people have opted for the private boat option. But we mm -hmm. do put groups together. I mean, I've I've been able to do it. I've been able to put singles with another single and then put them with a you know a a group of two or three, something like that. I mm -hmm. general generally, if I get a group of four or more, I mean, I'm am just going to keep them as a private group. Um, okay. With this, with this uh, current situation that we're under, I'm not mixing groups. Um, mm -hmm. uh, of course, that's going to change when things lighten up a bit. But generally speaking, sure. most of my mix has generally been. Most people go for the private boat option, but yeah, I have the availability to to put groups together, and I do book other boats that uh, that are in my group here. So I've got oh. uh, very close guys that I work with that I will book. So, you know, for example, I do a lot with uh, large groups, uh, you know, Microsoft and Amazon and Google, uh, you know, we'll take, you know, I've taken groups, you know, 25, 35, 40 plus people, and we'll just put them on a, you know, several different boats. We'll just put X amount on each boat. You know, we right. handle that differently depending on what, what guys want to do. Sometimes they, they just want to go out and have fun and just have a little group thing and then go back and go to their meeting. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll have like a, you know, private fishing derby where it's like a competition mm -hmm. thing or a team oh, building. Cool. We, just, we just did one. Uh, let me see. When did this last one I did? Um, well, I did a big one in September. That was a really successful one um, where we had Amazon people out. 
and oh, uh -huh. uh, they had a great time and it was a team building thing and uh you know they had uh they had prizes and awards for their top people and they had they had little games they had to play in between themselves but uh yeah we do that all the time oh that's cool man that is cool well chris how do people get a hold of you if you, they'd like to uh book a, a trip for this season or an upcoming season um is it best by phone or by email how uh how should they reach you well i'll tell you either way um uh my email my <clears throat> web address is bigkingsalmoncharters.com uh you can do any search and you'll find me very easily there uh my uh -huh. phone number that is direct to me wherever I'm at in the world is 425-776-7688. Um, and you can get me at my uh, business email address, which is chris at bigkingsalmoncharters.com. Either one of those methods, I'll get an instant uh, uh, update that uh, you're trying to get a hold of me. And I'll get back to you as uh, soon as I put the net down. <laughs> very good very good well chris it has been our pleasure to have you as our guest today um in these trying times it looks like uh, things are starting to uh resolve and um everybody's looking forward to a good uh 2020 season coming up and by you know you fishing pretty much 12 months out of the year sounds like uh, there's always a chance to put people on salmon if they get into the seattle area well, most definitely. And I, I will mention this, you know, every generation, uh, you know, has their trying time. And my grandparents were part of the, in my opinion, the greatest generation. Yeah. And, you know, what we're going through now is it's a, it's, it's a, it's a thing, but it's not the, it's not the biggest thing that's ever hit. You know, yep. we're going to get through this with no problems. Um, you know, i Certainly, my heart goes out to anyone that, uh, you know, has lost loved ones to this. Um, and um, we're all doing the right thing. You know, we're keeping our distance. You know, we're, we're you know, keeping apart until this thing, you know, has peaked. And from what we're looking at now, from what our governor says, you know, it's, it's reached its peak and it's on the, the, um, the accelerated downslope here in Washington. Yep. And I certainly hope that's the case for the rest of the country. And we look forward to things opening up here um, very soon. They're talking about a V-shaped recovery here. So hopefully that's the case. We're going to play it as safe as possible. So uh, whenever we get opened up here, we expect that to be any week or so. Uh, it's not just going to be, you know, wide open. You know, we're going to have, you know, the precautions in place on through until this thing gets uh, yeah. gets completely knocked out here. You bet. Well, I mean, and, and gosh, uh, you know, just think about, uh, you know, the opportunity that people have to get out and get some fresh air versus being cooped up like a lot of people are right now. Um, and going out and fishing for wild salmon and bringing, uh, bringing that home, there's nothing better than you can put in your body than, uh, uh, you know, those omega, um, uh, omega-3, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, saturated meats and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, go out and enjoy yourself on the water. This is a, a grand opportunity to do it. Oh, you got that right. What, I'm, I'm, both, I'm both thrilled and excited and terrified 
to get these young ones out on the boat because, you know, when, when the little ones have been tied up in the house for eight, nine weeks and they get out on the boat, they're going to be crazy, okay? <laughs> and I don't know how I'm going to contain them. But I'll tell you what, you know, when the little ones are out there and they've been watching Sesame Street and you guys have been putting puzzles together for nine weeks, you know, that's going to get old. I'll tell you, when they see eagles out there and whales and, and you know, your little one catches the first salmon of her life and it's half the size of her, that's, that's going to be a memory that her grandchildren are going to hear about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, tight lines, my friend. I, again, appreciate you um, taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us on our interview. And we just uh, wish you the best for you and your family. Stay safe and well and uh, have a great uh, 2020 season. Same to you. Tight lines to everybody. And we'll see you real soon here. Very good.